Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Corks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to our crime book chat episode. Yeah, I'm really excited, Christy. This is our second one of this series, which is a new series we started this season, where we talk to four different authors about their books and about their writing and life in general. Today we have all women, so I'm expecting all very smart answers. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. And everyone's from all over the place, which is so great. Well, listen, let's get going to it. Let's jump in with the introductions, okay? All right. So I'm going to start with Raquel Reyes. Raquel has been on the podcast before. She was on the Corks and Conversation episode last year. To her fantastic debut. Fantastic (laughs) debut. Raquel writes Latina protagonists, her Cuban-American heritage, Miami, and Spanglish feature prominently in her work. Mango, Mambo, and Murder, which was the first in her Caribbean Kitchen Mystery Series, won a Lefty Award for Best Humorous Mystery. It was nominated for an Agatha Award and option for film. It was also, by the way, highlighted in the New York Times. Not a small thing for a debut author. Mm -hmm. Um, She has written many short stories that have appeared in um, various anthologies, including The Best American Mystery in Suspense from 2022. You can find Raquel across social media platforms at Latina Sleuths and on her website, latinasleuths.com. Raquel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. I know, this is so fun. And now with your second in the series, tell us about it. Yeah, so Calypso Corpses and Cooking. It um, happens during the fall. It begins in Halloween and ends at Thanksgiving. Um, And you have all the same great fun uh, cast and crew. You know, that's what uh, cozy mysteries do is you know mm-hmm. are they're character driven and you fall in love with the cast of characters. Um, in this one, if you liked uh, Jorge from the first one, he was the, <laughs> he was the guy who taught the mam- uh, Mamba size class. You're gonna have more Jorge in this one, so you'll you'll definitely enjoy the, enjoy it. And okay. you know, as the title suggests, corpses. There are several uh, murders to be solved in this one. Someone's got to die and someone's got to solve it, Raquel. Exactly. I think there's going to be a lot of corpses in everybody's books. I'm just (laughs) guessing. All right. So um, we also have today um, Meredith Hambrock. Um, She's a Canadian fiction and television writer who grew up in Toronto and now lives in Vancouver. Her short fiction has appeared in several magazines, including Maisonneuve and Descant. And she's been a finalist for the CBC Short Story Prize. And most, you know, that's the same initials we use, Crime Book Chat. Yeah. I'm going to ask her what CBC. (laughs) Um, And most recently wrote for the sitcom Corner Gas Animated, which sounds very interesting. So Meredith, it's so great to have you here today. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, CBC stands for Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and it's like our kind of like PBS. um, Okay, perfect, perfect. So um, tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, so this is my book, Other People's Secrets. And yeah, it's about an alcoholic uh, 20-something dumpster baby who lives in a small uh, lakeside resort town. And when a wealthy new owner buys the resort that she lives in, works at, Um, and wants to kind of turn it into a hipster nightmare. She and her gang get together to treasure hunt their way into saving their home. But that puts them on the wrong side of their small town drug kingpin. So it's a bit of a romp. That is a very attractive sounding bitch. (laughs) There's a lot. I know. The dumpster baby I'm still at. I'm still at dumpster baby. Yes, I know. It's uh, she's uh, audacious. And show us your, your cover again. That is so cool. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I did the mirroring thing properly, but it's a bar. Oh, yeah, there's a, a very there's a very divey bar that it's all set in called the Bloody Parrot. And so this is the. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love the colors because it's all the red and the black. Yeah. And... yeah. Um, OK, so I get to introduce uh, M.E. Roche, who also goes by Peg. I got to meet Peg last summer in Florida, and that was really fun at Sleuth Fest, which we got to give a plug for Sleuth Fest, one of our favorite conferences. 
Okay, so while growing up in the Midwest, Emmy Roche lived on both coasts as well as Ireland. As a registered nurse, she had the opportunity to work in many facets of nursing, as well as serving as a volunteer with the local coroner, part of the sheriff's department in Northern California. Her first three books were with uh, were Young Adult Mysteries, um, introducing Nora Brady as a student. Um, she has since moved into Adult Mysteries, and in addition, she's written a standalone mystery novel called Bigamy. So, Peg, welcome, and tell us what you're working on, or what your latest is. Thank you. Um, well, the latest one that came out this year, A Haunting on Dunbar Lane. It's got a spooky house on the cover. <laughs> this was really interesting because the artist that was doing my covers for me sent me several samples of what we might use. And this particular one was actually from Eureka, the houses in Eureka, which is kind of the, I don't call it Eureka in my books, but Jacobsport. So I loved it. This is called The Pink Lady. But anyway, it's a, a story about a woman who buys a house and former owner has died and she gets a good deal on the place. And it turns out the woman who died doesn't want to leave her house. So it's a kind of a, a case of, you know, how are they going to get her to leave? So, and it carries through, but Nora Brady, as you mentioned, was in my first three young adult novels. And then this is the second adult novel that I've written that continue that same group of characters that were in the earlier ones, just older and wiser. And Nora also works um, uh, with the sheriff's department. She's a detective in the sheriff's department. Okay, and last but absolutely not least is Mindy Carlson. Um, she's a mystery writer, knitter, baker, and Montessori preschool administrator. She grew up on a farm <laughs> in Iowa, and after wanting to be a veterinarian for most of her life, decided to bypass veterinary school to begin a winding journey toward writing that took her to UC Berkeley, Washington, D.C., and Basel, Switzerland, very cool. Inspired by the change living in Switzerland had on her relationship with her children, she decided to inspire others through a series of parenting articles before turning to murder. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not of other people. You can find these articles at such outlets as AFFineParent.com, Big Life Journal, and The Washington Post. So, Mindy, it's so great to see you. Can you um, tell us a little bit about your book? Uh, yeah. So my book is Her Dying Day, and it's about a film documentary student who decides to use her thesis project as an opportunity to find out what happened to her favorite mystery author who disappeared 20 years before. Ooh, that's a great premise. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, so listen, here's the thing. Christy and I do... Uh, tons and tons of interviews with writers. And, and whenever we hear back from our listeners, they always want to know, and you guys know this, I think, where the idea for your book came from, right? Or where the character came from, either the plot or the character. So I'm wondering if you could share that, where the germ of the idea is, either from your character or like in Raquel's case, for this latest installment. So Raquel, why don't you start us off and tell us what's going on with Miriam? Sure. What usually happens for me is I'll have a scene pop into my my mind and that will set the tone for everything. Um, I did know coming off of Mango, Mambo and Murder that I wanted it to only be a few weeks, a couple of months afterwards. I didn't want a whole big chunk of time going through. So that landed us in the fall. And the scene that came to mind was what if Miriam's walking through her house? It's early morning, minding her own business. There's a scream. She looks out the window and there, there's a Halloween tombstone. You know, it's a, it's one of those joke, funny ones, you know, it's got, you know, something there. Like the decorations. It's the decorations, but then there's an actual body lying there. <laughs> so that was the scene that started it off as like, okay. And then, and then I knew some other things that were going to happen. I knew because the, one of the strong characters is the mother-in-law, Marjorie. I, I say that, you know, readers love to hate her. <laughs> I knew that, she, I, I knew that she had to push a big project onto Miriam. And that was going to cause some of that. And the big project is a gala. 
So the fundraising gala event. So that's also one of the components that works through the story. So yeah, that's how I start with those. No pressure. I, I love that this is where your mind goes, right? It's Halloween, you know, like there's going to be decorations. We might as well just add an actual real body to it. <laughs> well. All right, well. Meredith, how about you? Where did your germ of idea with the dumpster baby and the bar and the... <laughs> yeah, so um, I think it kind of, oh, it's a couple things, but I think it mostly started with the idea of, I like the idea of a of a dumpster baby. She's grown up in a small town. And she sort of just embraced her identity as a way of sort of getting ahead of the joke. So to like stop people from making fun of her about it or making her feel, try to feel shame about it. She has embraced it and made everybody call her baby in her life. And she just has always been this sort of larger than life kind of like dirtbag character who's a bit of a bar star um, at this uh, small town bar where she lives and hangs out with her friends. Um, and that was definitely, I think, the genesis of this idea was um, the sort of like small town drunk who has, she's not really aware of the world around her. She's not really aware of things. She's never voted is sort of a joke that I make in the book um, and sort of putting her in this situation where she's forced to like grow and change, but in the context of like a crime uh, novel. So that was kind of the funny, darkly funny beginning. But yeah, there's obviously a lot of moving parts there. And yeah, the small town <laughs> always just gives you such a different background, right, than a, than you know, something pl- taking place in Miami, for example, because it's just it's such a different dynamic. Yeah, I really love the idea of this small town of these people who have grown up around each other. And it's almost become a bit of a toxic enabling relationship where they've um, she has this gang of sort of funny friends that she hangs out with. And um, they're all kind of en- enabling each other to not grow up. And so it's a bit of a like adult summer camp almost. And sort mm-hmm. of what happens when she's forced to to see the world for once for what it is and face it. And when you say dumpster baby, you mean she was left in a dumpster as a baby? Yes, she was found on a be- swaddled okay. in a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Is sort of how her auspicious <laughs> beginning oh. and Aww. and then adopted. Yeah, I already feel bad for her. Mm. I don't. I wow. want to be her friend. <laughs> it, there's, you know, I think there's benefits to being friends with baby, and there are uh, drawbacks for sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Mindy, where did it come from? So the genesis of this idea actually came to me a few years ago, uh, the anniversary of Agatha Christie's disappearance, because Agatha Christie disappeared and for 11 days and nobody knew where she had gone. She had just published, I think, her second book and she was becoming really well, you know, well known and of course her husband was the primary suspect and the police really did pulled out all the stops to try and find her i mean they had 10 to 15,000 people across england looking for her and so i took that and i and she was eventually found of course and i thought well what if she had never been found you know what would be happening today about Agatha Christie? What sort of lore and legend would have come up? And so I thought, well, of course there would be blogs, of course there would be podcasts, and of course there would be a documentary. So that's sort of the genesis of that idea. And I was, <laughs> when I start a project, I rate the opening three different ways because I'm never sure exactly how I want to do it. I, I'm waiting for the voice to come into my head to like tell me who this main character is going to be and so I that first line hit me and I had actually I had written it two different ways and I couldn't think of a third way to write it so I went downstairs and I grabbed a glass of wine and as I was coming back up the stairs with my glass of Chardonnay I all of a sudden it hit me and I just I ran upstairs and I pounded out the first scene it took me about an hour to write the whole first chapter and I never touched the wine which I think was the biggest tragedy (laughs) of the entire event (laughs) but um but yeah so but that and that first that first scene never changed and that set the whole voice for June she grew up on a commune in the Adirondacks a goat commune and I mean as you do as as you do (laughs) To a couple of hippie parents who named her Pear Blossom Jubilee. And, <laughs> and but so she decided that when she went to college, the elderly registrar uh, misheard her name and or misread it and put down June, which was the month of her birth. And June just never corrected her because it was a very short, normal sounding 
name. So she decided she wanted short and normal sounding. Okay, so you mentioned the first line. Do you want to share the first line with us? Yeah, it's a little spicy, but... Uh, um, oh, I want to hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, if you've never been stuck under the bed while your lover has sex with his wife, I suggest you skip it. It's no trip to Disneyland. Oh, <laughs> oh that is so That's good. good. <laughs> and so that was kind of like... That's a pretty uh, definitive personality. I was just going to say, when you yeah. said you understood who she sure. was, like, I, I absolutely want to hang with her a little bit. Yes. Yeah. She finds herself in all sorts of, she's having an affair with her advisor, and she knows it's not a good idea. I was just going to say, <laughs> would Baby and June be friends? Oh, yeah. They, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. They would be hanging out at the Bloody Parrot together all the time. Totally. Oh, all right, Peg. But, we're dying to hear about the ghost situation. How does one well, get rid of one? Unfortunately, there's not really anything very funny in this book. No. Um, and it started basically because um, my sister passed away. And prior to her passing, she saw other people from her past, my parents among them. This wasn't the first oh, wow. time I'd heard of people. As a nurse, I've been with people when they've died, and I know that that's it's not uncommon. But it got me to wondering more about, um, you know, how much contact some people really have and how that works. And so I took some classes with a spiritualist and was just fascinated by the whole process. And I also learned that she had had some experience, not in, um, she didn't do exorcisms per se, but um, she did work with people in terms of clearing their house of spirits or articles that were in their homes. And I, I love the old houses in Eureka. And the thought of somebody buying one, I've done some reno renovations myself. So the thought of somebody renovating a house and then their personality changing in the process. How would that happen? And and so Ooh, creepy. It gets oh into my gosh, Peg. The, well, <laughs> the woman who who has bought the house, her friends notice that she's changing. And um, so they're not really sure is she being possessed. So anyway, I won't tell you what happens. Oh, that's but. <laughs> I mean that gave me shivers. Reminds me of um you know, stories when you, like a transplant recipient, you know, mm -hmm. you've heard stories where they will take oh, yeah. characteristics of the, the donor. And so a house holding that spirit, that's really fascinating. And what, what a spirit could do and couldn't do, that was all kind of, you know, a, a learning um, process. But that's, that's where it started. I thought we could talk about another thing that readers love to know about, and that is your writing process. Because everybody's is a little different, but everybody's trying to find somebody who's successful like you guys that are doing it either they want to emulate or they're doing it that way and they're hoping for the best. So um, can we start with, let's let's um, start with Mindy. Oh, um, so yeah, so my writing process is pretty, um, pretty routine. So I, I try and keep a routine of where I try and write at the same time every day. I have an office where I sit down and just start typing things out on the keyboard. And sometimes it's gold and sometimes it's crap, but you know, you just got to keep going. Uh, Cause the, just the more you write and the more you add to the document, you're basically creating um, like a mountain. And then when you start editing, that's when you sort of tunnel through the mountain and find all the gems and start pulling these gems together to create your little treasure chest of a book. So, and if I ever oh, find wow, myself- that's a great analogy. Thank you. Um, if I ever find myself stuck, I tend to go to a coffee shop to write, just change my surroundings to go and write. I mean, I'd love to say, oh, I go for a walk or I go out for a run, but I hate exercise. So, <laughs> and, and I love coffee. And so we're being honest here. Let's be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> so I go to a coffee shop instead of like, you know, sort of do any sort of blood circulation. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I mean, do you, um, do you have like a set time? You, I know you say you started a set time. Do, is it, is it time and then you stop or do you have a word count or do you just... Oh, it depends on with it. depends on what my goals are for this particular uh, book. Sometimes I have a word count. Sometimes I try to get between sixteen hundred and two thousand words 
in a day, sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes six good pages, like Stephen King said, I just want six good pages. And then I feel like I've, I've done a good job for the day. And I used to think, mm-hmm. God, six pages, I could churn that out. But man, let me tell you, six good pages, Some days. hard to get. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, I'm just going to spend an hour at this and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So it kind of depends on where I am mentally. If I'm, if I'm having a hard time with the document, if I'm having a hard time with the story, then I mm-hmm. I'll give myself a time limit because I don't want to punish myself for not doing good work. You know, I want to give myself the opportunity to, to get through whatever block I'm in, but to say, well, you know, you have to get 1600 words today. I mean, that is, that is going to be torturous if you're yeah, stuck on right. a, on a plot point or a concept and it just hasn't come to you yet. So like Raquel, you um, now are working on deadlines. So how has that mm-hmm. changed your process? It really hasn't because I know how long it takes me to write a book. And there's some people who write several series at the same time. I am just in awe of those people. I, I'm, yeah, it's going to be one book a year <laughs> for me. And then hopefully, you know, a handful of short stories because I kind of use short stories as, as a sorbet, you know, they're like a little palate cleanser, you know, to kind of get me where I need to be. But um, it takes me 10 months to write a book. I am methodical. I write from point A to point B. I don't do the uh, three card Monty and shift around my chapters and all of that stuff. I'm I'm writing a polished manuscript as we go. So I I edit and I'm very. That's why I say I'm methodical. Like I'm very much thinking about that. I don't do a lot of editing that isn't like big edits. Do mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like the, the no big, huge developmental edits. Cause do you outline them ahead of time so that, you know, no, I'm a discovery writer. Um, I know the beginning. I have a pretty good idea of the end and I have a couple of key scenes in the middle. And then, um, I, I allow uh, myself to, uh, you know, find the story as I go along, but, um, I keep a notebook beside me. I keep good notes. So if I put something in a certain chapter that I know I have to pick up later, I'd make myself a note so that I can come back around to it. Or if there's something, um, because I read a culinary cozy and, you know, my main character is a food anthropologist, which has to deal a lot with um, history and culture and so forth. So if there's something that I need to be thoughtful about, like I'll kind of make a note to make sure that I'm representing that properly or so forth. But but those are things that I can come back around to in the end. It's not, um, you know, crucial to the story. So that's the reason why I write with a notebook. That's really interesting because yeah. a lot of people we, we talk to are like, oh, just get that first draft down and then you can go back and edit. And so, but there are obviously writers that edit as they go. It seems like that's where you're the camp you're in. It's because I come from poetry. I was That's where I started with. And a poem is much easier to edit, right? You know, it's very short. You can mess around with that, no problem. But also I have a theater degree and I have this feeling about that. You know, you put the work in and you put the play up on the stage and then it's done. It's no longer yours. And I feel that I take, you know, like you can't mess around with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because I I did theater. I was directing. I wasn't an actor. I was on the directing side of it. Um, and so that directing side of it is very strategic and thoughtful and so forth and so on. And then once you kind of do all that prep work and, and finish it and hand it off, which is to me like the deadline, you know, once I meet my deadline and hand it off, you know, then it has its own life and it does what it needs to do. And I don't need to be worrying about it because there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know yeah, if I, no. I don't know if I'm making sense, <laughs> but I do feel like there's a parallel between, you know, kind of like what I was trained to do as a director, you know, is to um, think about plotting and think about um, motives and think about stage directions and all of those things that you're doing as you're listening to your actors coming at you, you know, like you've done your work and then your actors come at you and you make little adjustments and so forth. And then you trust the process because the process is going to, it, you just have to trust the process. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I believe that that's kind of what I do is I really do trust my own process and know that I'm going to get where I need to go. And then it's done. 
Well, it obviously works because your book is fantastic. Oh, thank you, Mindy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, and Peg, we'll go to you. What do you, how do you write? You've written several novels. Um, I usually write first thing in the morning for about an hour, an hour and a half. And I find that's my most creative time. Um, I also keep notes as I go along and I use the edit function in Word. I write using Word. I don't use an outline. I like the idea of not knowing myself where the story is going to take me. So I find for editing, like right now, I've started another book that I've started in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm finishing the editing on another novel that um, I hope to get out maybe by February. I think that's a good plan, kind of separate the editing and stuff. I don't it's know. More, if, uh, yeah. I think a works for everybody. Yeah, I think it's more of a technical focus rather than creative part. So you can really be working on two projects, but in different phases then. It's like one's in writing phase and one or drafting and one's in editing. Exactly. Yeah. Meredith? Yes. I'm very similar, I think, (laughs) to everybody here. I Although I do outline, but I outline in a way Mm -hmm. where I come up with a story enough that I get, get excited about it. Not, you know, chapter by chapter or anything. Kind of like I like to think of it in like the the five or six kind of major beats. And then I'll write every morning, try to do like a thousand words a day because that feels attainable to me, especially just with my like day job and teaching schedules or whatever I'm doing. Um, and then if I, if, if I surpass mm-hmm. that, oh boy, like mm. what a celebration you can have. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Get but some I, words in the hopper. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I also like to think of my outlines as like a first draft of a story where I get to kind of be like, oh, like who came up with this dumb idea? Like I have a way better one now. So I get to kind of like rebel against myself a little bit while I'm writing, I think, which I like. <laughs> a lot and to feel like oh wow like oh man I was so dumb six months ago but now I'm a genius like I've come up with the best twist <laughs> yeah, oh my so, gosh that's just so constantly. good I'm gonna keep that I'm in my constantly head feeding my own <laughs> egos and delusions I guess but um in a way because I find drafting just painful oh my god I just hate it I cry I I can't sleep sometimes like just getting a first draft out for me is so hard so I distract myself a lot with music and stuff like that and then like the rewriting can go on for years and years and years for me um just being so precious and dumb about things so i need to get better i think at it but all right well listen we're mid we're midway it's time for christy's question in a bottle i'm gonna have a little beverage sip here and christy has a question that you might get to at the end of a bottle of wine <laughs> not that we've ever done that before uh originally at Fest. i'm just saying <laughs> Okay. Oh, this is fun. Um, would you rather go bungee jumping or to a nude beach? Nude beach. <laughs> Who's, who yelled nude beach so fast? Great. I'm, I'm terrified of heights. I had a really bad fall from my, my, I was doing my mother a favor when I was 16. I was painting her skylights in the new edition of the room and the ladder slipped and I fell. And after that, I was like, done, done with heights forever. I'm just going to be naked for the rest of my life. I will, I will 100% be naked rather than have to go <laughs> on top of something. And then, well, you know, at the beach, off. we can be in the <laughs> yes, water. There you go. Exactly. That's a good point, Raquel. Have you been to Hallover recently or... <laughs> I have not, but I I do. Yeah, that's the nude beach near us. We're we're what about thirty minutes away, thirty miles away from each other. Yeah, and Anderson, you know we're all over. I just I just happened to look it up today when I was talking about oh, nude okay. beaches. All right. Yeah, well, Christy, we want to know. I have not been there either. Oh, Raquel, I hope you put a nude beach in your next book. Oh, please. Well, okay, so so the Hallover Beach that she's talking about is also right near a um, a really nice dog park that they made, (laughs) and a dog beach because you know that not all beaches you can take your dog to. And um, I think they built a skate park over there. I mean, they've got a lot going on there. You would think that that the nude beach would be a little bit more secluded <laughs> and and it's right at the mouth uh that brings you into an intercontinental that is like one there's like even a channel for um a hallover a beach uh channel where the boats come in and like there's this guy commenting 
you know, oh, look at what he's doing. Ah, ha, ha. Because, you know, the boats flip because there's like this terrible <laughs> current and wave and people don't know how to take it. And, you know, they're in this little bitty boat. And it, it's a, anyway, I'm just saying it's very interesting choice. <laughs> to put the nude beach where all this other activity is going on. It's just such an odd thing. They might as well thing. combine it, right? And just have a nude dog beach. Like, bring your dog, be naked, just do it all. Well, and then, you know, on South Beach, if you go all the way down um, down to Miami Beach, to, to South Point, it's whatever is called European. Yeah, so like, topless so you can kind of, or whatever. Yeah, you can go topless there and so forth. So is that that big of a difference? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dying I don't know. Here, here. Oh, well, you honestly just made me think of what it would be like to um, bungee jump over a nude beach. <laughs> so I've just been giggling. Um, just imagine you're just going, boy. Bungee jump nude. Oh, no. my goodness. Yes. Oh, my chest hurts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I have been to a nude beach, actually, because, you know, Vancouver's a little hippy dippy, um, but ours is hidden a little bit. <laughs> it's like you, you kind of go down this like hiking path and stuff like that. But I'm kind of with Mindy. I'm too big of a wimp to bungee jump, really. So, nude, yeah, definitely nude beach. But with a lot of sunscreen. With a lot. But with a lot of sunscreen. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peg's like, no, I don't want to answer I, this. I, that's exactly right. <laughs> I, would, I would stall, but I'd probably, I'd probably hope somebody pushed me for the bungee jump. I don't think I could do the nude beach. I hear it's a lot of fun, but I'm too afraid of heights too, you know. Oh, you were going to say I'm too scared of the nude beach. <laughs> I hear it a lot. When I was younger, it didn't bother me, but now I'm like, eh, I'm like Raquel. I think I could spend a lot of time in the water. <laughs> you know, okay, so the, so let's think, you know, forensically, oh, right? Like, you know, the bungee jumping is not really great on the spine. Right. Like if you're young, maybe you have the muscle tone and so forth and so on to keep all of those things in line. But, you know, I'm just saying as a writer who spends so much time <laughs> at the desk in front of me, I don't know that I would want to put my body that. Through is that is a good That's point. I didn't think about that. I mean, it could be a way to kill somebody, couldn't it? Oh, 100%. Right? 100%. Oh, a bungee, a bungee jumping oh, accident? Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they already have a back problem or a slip disc or mm. something like that. And, you know, that I'm just, I'm putting yeah. that out. It's a lot easier somebody than trying to... to hide a weapon at a nude beach. That's true. You know? <laughs> 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 okay let's go on let's go on to the real questions <laughs> she's sweaty with a blizzard going on that tells you something there okay so my question is what about the writing and publishing industry surprised you the most and what were the like best or the most challenging parts just kind of tell us a little bit about your experience. And I'm going to go with Meredith first because she's nodding like she knows an answer. Oh, no, <laughs> there's nothing going on up here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just crickets. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think, oh, gosh, I. Everything surprised me. I just found it very challenging, um, I guess, in some ways to um, know what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, it was my debut novel that came out and I a lot of the time was just feeling like very adrift and kind of unsure and um but the kind of like flip side the good side of it was that I made a lot of really great friends um along the way which has been really lovely and the crime writing community especially is just so lovely and open um and kind and like Mindy and I are at the same agency and Mindy started mm -hmm. a group chat for us and it has been just like such a great well for friendship and community and finding community with books and then in Canada we have an organization called Crime Writers Canada where I met a lot of people and everybody's just so like willing and lovely and helpful and so for me it's always the friends I made along the way I guess oh that's <laughs> great yeah well, so that's yeah. encouraging you yeah, know it's, it's really so nice. encouraging yeah all right, so Mindy. Well, of course, Meredith is like the best part of mm -hmm. <laughs> my friendship with Meredith. It's the best part of, of the whole experience. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, um, well, I get to read books now 
for like work. Because I also uh, do interviews with authors for the Big Thrill magazine. Oh, okay. Like you're like us. We get to read, you know, reading books is part of my job. And then I get to talk to authors about how, uh, how awesome their books are. And that would not have happened if I hadn't started the journey of becoming a mystery writer. Um, One of the more surprising things along the way was how fourth grade book report presentation experience would come in handy when uh, (laughs) interesting (laughs) when delivering book talks. It feels almost exactly the same, especially when you're in your hometown and you have your uh, fourth grade English teacher, seventh grade English teacher, eighth grade English teacher, 10th grade English teacher, and your senior year English teacher in the audience. Wow. Think how fulfilling that was for them. Yeah. They were all, I think, shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like her? But, but they her? think you had, that you had it in you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that I had it, that I had it in me. Um yeah, because it was, well, because I was going to be a veterinarian. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I delivered my first cow when I was six. Mm-hmm. I was part of FFA and the ag classes. And, you know, I love to read, but I certainly wasn't a writer. I wasn't writing my mm-hmm. own stories out, even though I had them kind of circulating in my head. And I, I didn't start writing until um, I saw an interview with Toni Morrison, who said, if there's a story in your head, he's written yet then you're going to have to write it. That's that's the universe telling you you have to write that story. And I was like, well, darn it. Shoot. <laughs> I guess I have to write a story. Oh, that's great. That's great. And Raquel. Oh, uh, what? Oh, wow. You know, you've had you've had a what really a whirlwind wonderful experience, I think. Yeah, my deep my debut was really great and now I'm in my sophomore um and um did I learn anything? Uh, I don't know that I did. I mean, it's the same thing I've said before. There is a percentage of luck out there. And yes, you make your own luck by how what connections you've made and networking you made and, and how involved you are in the community and so forth and so on. But there's some of it that you just like boggles you. You know, sometimes you'll get an email that they want you to write an article for something or do something or be and you're like how did that happen mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like because sometimes it feels like you don't have a lot of control over things mm-hmm. right you know you're just kind of at the mercy of the readership or the publishers or the public you know it's like you don't get numbers back you don't get data you don't know what is working and what's not working you know so you just kind of have to go out there and do the things that you enjoy and do them authentically and just hope that they're going to translate into um, making sure you get another book contract, you know? Well, aren't you, did you get an option for like a movie or um, show or something? Yeah. And again, that was beyond my control. Like I didn't, so what what can I, you, you know, tell us about that? Anything? It was really great. I was very, very lucky um, that I actually got to meet with the production company before we signed the papers, because since my series is so culturally forward and specifically Cuban-American and Latina and, and Latinx, um, you know, we just wanted to make sure that it was represented well. And so this production company is called uh, Gato Grande, which is Big Cat. They work in conjunction with MGM, but they're based in Mexico City and LA. And so one of my things was like, I know that because of budgeting and so forth and so on, you might not necessarily get to film in Miami, okay? But it would be great if you had somebody on staff who was a Miami native who could tell you if that is authentic and looks right and does right. And so, you know, I know that you'll be hiring uh, Latinas uh, uh, from various backgrounds, but you need to make sure that you have a dialect coach that has Caribbean Spanish because Caribbean Spanish is very different than Mexican mm-hmm. Spanish or, you know, Spanish from Spain, you know, those things. And so we kind of got to talk about those things and be on the same page with that, which is was a wonderful experience, but I don't know that that experience happens for all authors right. mm-hmm. do you know what i mean it's kind of like this process oh we sold your film rights right. and then you know you get that email you don't necessarily get the back and forth 
of the details of what's going on. So they've got it. There's they're still have it for however long. I think they I think they have the option for 18 months. Oh, okay. That's not too bad because I've heard of like 10 years or something and I'm like, oh gee. Then they have the option for 18 months and then they have another option to um, extend it another year. So who knows? Any day now I might get a, a, an, an email that says, oh, we're going on with production and we'll be sending you, you know, that second check we promised you <laughs> or sorry, it's dead in the right. water. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't control. have control over right. that. So your, your, your mm-hmm. analogy reminded me of parenting a little bit. While you do the best you can on what you can control, you kind of don't know you've... Yeah done a good job like there's no grade right like like at what point do do your kids go oh yeah you're like oh you're fine you're functioning right it's it's down the road just like your book stuff yeah (laughs) absolutely true though Mm -hmm. and peg i think for me the biggest thing is there's so much to learn it's Mm -hmm. you know when you think about writing you think you know it's just putting it together producing a product but there's so much and i think the hardest Thing, not just for me, but for all authors, is the marketing component. Even if you have a publisher or an agent, you're still responsible for doing so much, which I didn't have. Um, you're still responsible for doing so much for yourself. So I'm, I'm constantly learning new things that I should be doing or a better way of doing what I've already been doing. So mm-hmm. that is the worst part of the job. But you can't, I have to keep reminding myself not to get sidetracked on that, that if it's writing that you want to do, that's what you need to really focus Mm -hmm. on. And then worry about the marketing when the product is done, when you think it's Mm -hmm. ready to send out. Yeah, it's it's so many things to juggle. That's how Mm -hmm. Kathy and I first met, you know, when we were first new, you know, we just finished an book or novel or whatever and we were amazed at what we didn't know (laughs) so we said that's how we started you know we were like oh we're learning this stuff let's write a blog about it let's do a podcast about it because it's just there's so much to learn and so many different roads to do it you know so okay so I have a final contextual question and then Christy's got a final fun (laughs) question I would like to ask each of you for two things one a piece of advice to share with other writers and what you're working on now. And I'm going to start with Peg. Um, you know, again, going back to somebody mentioned Stephen King, you know, it's put your butt in the chair, just write. You need to start. You need to have the routine, which I think each of us has said already, and just stick to that. It won't get done unless you have some kind of a routine. And back in April, um, when I was sort of thinking about my next project, I was thinking of First, I have no idea, but I had a great aunt who lived with my grandmother. It was her sister. And the story in the family always was that um, her husband and two children had been killed in a fire. And that's why she had come back to live with my grandmother. And, And I started on exploring and discovering that that wasn't really the case. But she had been a homesteader in Nebraska. And married somebody from there. So I just raised all kinds of questions. How does a woman in Chicago meet a guy in Nebraska? You know, so um, researching that and family stuff. um, So the story is kind of starting to shape up. Three of my grandparents had come over from Ireland. So this aunt was one of those. Wow. So so she was also an immigrant as well as a homesteader. Lots of kind of there. And learning just about, I didn't know anything about the Dust Bowl because that was outside of reading the Grapes Mm -hmm. of Wrath. You know, that was, there's a lot of uh, research involved in that. And then I wanted to see where they did homestead. And so I took a road trip to Nebraska. I love the research part. Yeah, I I like that too. All right, Mindy, advice? What you're working on now? Um, Well, my advice is, is that a lot of people think that they can't write, that that no one's going to read their story, that whatever they have to write, somebody else is going to do it. But no one else can write your story. You know, no one can tell it with your point of view. No one has your experiences in your life that are going to help color and create that story. So and we need your voices out there. So t- you have to tell it. You have to tell your story. The next thing I'm working on is a three point of view novel 
about estranged sisters investigating the death of their mother uh, humorously. Of course, <laughs> as you do. Right. And then I have another book I'm uh, doing some edits on, which is uh, the TV show Friends meets and then there were none. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> All right, Meredith, advice and what you're working on. Yeah, I guess my advice is don't be afraid of rejection um, because, and this will help you in your dating life also, <laughs> um, it, it's, a, it's an opportunity to find the right place, the right people to work with, the right editors, the right agents and stuff like that. So if you treat it as like a weeding out process, more like a, like someone needs to pick me process, it'll, it feels really like, it just feels like a lot better and you can have more fun, I think, with that. So that has always helped me. And because like, I, I like love writing, I think I'll write even if they refuse to publish anything else of mine, I will always write. So I think, but the publishing part can be really scary. So just, you know, grit your teeth because it is worth it. And don't be afraid. And then what I'm working on now, I'm working on a kind of darkly funny, I'm going to say sort of thrillery type book about uh, she's a woman who's the childminder for a production of The Sound of Music, um, oh. <laughs> the musical. And I don't know if I can even publish this, but um, <laughs> it's um, and she sort of decides that she deserves the lead role of Maria. And she's going to get it. Oh. I was thinking she should be the Maria. <laughs> And she's yeah. gonna get it. I love she's that. She's gonna get it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Raquel, we're gonna end with you. Advice and what's going on next? I'm gonna give you advice from kind of with my sleuth fest, sleuth fest co-chair hat on because I see a lot of writers come in and they are looking for the magic beans, that one thing or the magic pill that's gonna make all the pieces fall into place and do it. And and I'm sorry to have to tell you, there is no magic one thing. It is learning your craft. It is learning your craft in various different ways. It is a journey and a long process and so forth. And um, I kind of like, you know, uh, give yourself over to the joy of writing and the joy of the journey and stop looking for that one magic thing that is gonna make it all, you know, it's the it's the wand that just makes it all of a sudden appear. You know, writing is work and we have to do the work and um, there is no magic solution. There's no magic beans, yeah, there's no magic pill. You just have to go out and do it. And once, if you can stop looking for that thing, I think you will be much happier because then you will just be in the moment and doing the work Good and advice. learning the craft. That's beautiful advice. It reminds me of the Ladybug uh, advice in Under the Tuscan Sun. Has anybody seen the movie Under the okay. Tuscan Sun with Diane Lane? Yeah, And she Diane was Lane. terribly unhappy, this character, so unhappy, so unhappy. And this woman who gives her advice says, you know, just stop already yeah, yeah. and just, you know, lay down. And the ladybugs, you'll find them crawling all over you. And we just watched this movie. And, and she just stopped <laughs> fighting. And looking for the perfect thing. Yeah. And at the end, of course, this yeah. lovely man comes into her life and picks a ladybug off of her arm. And Oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> and it has wine in it, I think. It <laughs> and that maybe that was why Kathy first started watching it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lovely movie. Okay, Raquel, what are you working on? Book three has just been turned in. And so um, I will be working on the recipes for book three, but before, you know, this little holiday break that in the, in those weird days at the end of the year, in the beginning of the year, you know, when, you know, time yeah. stops or moves slowly at or least, moves right? fast or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then um, in mid-January, I'll start working on book four. Yay. Yay. Cool. Can't wait to hear what Miriam's up to. All right. In book three, Thank she goes to Puerto me. Rico. I will, I can tell you that Ooh. much. Yeah. So. All right, Christy. Okay, so um, our final one final question here. Um, this is this is I think I think we should just kind of we'll pick somebody and then you guys start thinking on who can add to it because Kathy and I are starting a crime fighting team. And we want you guys to offer one of your characters for a spot on our squad, the GOB squad. So which would you volunteer 
And what would their role on the team be? Go, Raquel. Okay, I'm going to volunteer Jorge because Jorge is unbelievable. He can help you out with costumes. He can help you out with makeup. And um, and also he could be your fitness instructor. Okay, so, so that means we're planning on going undercover. So we need him to get us ready to fight yep. that crime. Okay. Yep. Anybody else have any uh, characters they want to offer up here? I'll um, volunteer Nora. Um, she can be your health advisor as well as um, <laughs> crime detection. All right. Yeah. Since I know we need somebody to help us detect. <laughs> Meredith, Mindy? Um, yeah, sure. I will volunteer Baby, my lead character, um, because she's scrappy. Uh, she loves to fight. Oh, good. <laughs> she can do the worm, which I think would be good. Uh, you know, it's good to have. Distracting uh, you know, while we while we yeah. go and sleuth. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I think, you know, she's a bit, she can make bad choices. So there might need to be somebody there to help reel her in. But, you know, mm. her heart's in the right place sometimes. Okay. Well, and. Yeah, well, in that case, I'm going to offer uh, June's cousin Meadow because she's a lawyer and you're all going to need it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good one. That was excellent. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Website, social media, what's the best place? Peg. Website. Okay. EmmyRoach.com. Okay. Mindy. Uh, you can find me on my website, mindycarlson.com, or you can find me on Facebook, Mindy Carlson Author, and that's also Instagram, too. Meredith? Uh, yeah, I love Instagram. I'm at Meredith Hambrock Books. I'm at on TikTok, I think, with the same handle, though not- Doing the worm? Um, yeah, I wish. <laughs> no. And then I, I also have Twitter. Who knows what's going to happen? But you can find me there at Meredith Hambrock also, if yeah, it's today still, you know, yeah. afloat. And, okay, yeah. Raquel. Yeah, um, I, um, I, I'm also mourning the loss of Twitter because that was my favorite place. Um, I'm definitely on Instagram and I've just started doing um, book talk. I'm doing like book recommendations and what I'm reading and so forth. And I'm having a really great time over there on the ticker talkers. I know, I'm going to have to look at that. I'm <laughs> like, going to have to watch on, you because like, it's on fun. I'm really niche little area. I haven't gone into like the dark side of it. I really love the algorithms giving me lovely stuff. Okay, over there good. on TikTok. I love TikTok. I have a blast because yeah. you know you see you end up seeing what you you see you know so it kind of right yeah I I really like I like it. Well, that's awesome. Great, great. You guys, it has been a lot of fun. We're so thankful that you guys joined us for this very fun conversation, and I think we just have to do a toast to all of you guys and success, future success, and keep on writing. Cheers! 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 Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.